we need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Dave Debo. And I'm Thomas O'Neill White. After May 14th, how can we afford not to talk about race? About education, about segregation, about humanity. Since the dawn of this nation, racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that Topps Market. The suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truths. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Buffalo What's Next. I'm Angelie Preston, and on today's show, we are joined by Erie County Legislator Howard Johnson. Legislator Johnson represents District 1, which encompasses most of Buffalo. Am I correct? Yes. So um, a quick breakdown. It's um, my district is all of Ellicott District, 98% of Ellicott District, um, all of Fillmore, 100% 100% of Fillmore, about 85% of Lovejoy, a small part of Mass, about 15% of Maston. That's the southwest portion up to Ferry and Jefferson, um, and uh, the lower west side. So those encompasses uh, the, uh, Erie, the the first district in the, on the Erie County side. The first question I want to ask you is, how are you? I am well. Just coming in from the... Uh, Somos trip, the Black and Legislative uh, Caucus trip, um, and it was a great time. And the Somos trip, can you like tell our our audience what the Somos trip, what that encompasses? Well, that that trip encompasses the um, just just dealing with legislative issues, um, whether it's budgeting, you know, courseworks in that, and, and things that are like like that. Getting your message out to other legislators, you know, on how to um, move items in the budget, um, to move, and that's not necessarily move items in the budget, but to more lobby for what your cause is. And that's a, a greater picture to call, a uh, greater picture is to, to lobby for a cause. That was one of the big takeaways I got out of it. And also, they had a, you know, a, a day of help where you can go out and help to, you know, help Puerto Rico as a, you know, country that's still recovering from the hurricane, that last hurricane. Had, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, so they had a day of help there, which was a good day, which was a good as well. It's been over six months since the racist mass shooting at the Tops in your district. How are the people who reside in your district doing? You know, the community is still healing, but we are progressing. So, you know, that's the, that, that's the, that's the takeaway. Because when you think about um, it in its totality, you know, those families are still grieving. We have the holiday season coming up upon us. There's going to be ones who's going to miss their loved ones, the elders in their family that represented that family for Christmas that's going to be uh, sorely missed. And the families are still, still the families are still grieving. Um, but uh, I think the, the silver lining is the community has galvanized itself. The, you know, when you think about what has happened since the shooting, the um, how we dealt with food scarcity in the area, when food that folks are just doing food giveaways, um, they're giving away fresh produce and stuff to that to that like. Um, there's um, services that's being offered. The Resource Council, which is open every day on Ferry Street, offering services. That's a, that's another great thing that come out of the, the mental health piece, where folks who are having mental health issues can in regards to this or anything can just have walk in now and see somebody of their same color and have a conversation about what's going on. Um, 
also in also um you have your minister, ministerial outreaches. Churches have been coming around just offering that piece right there. Um, I said the mental health piece. And neighbors is helping neighbors. You know, that's the thing of it is. You know, they say Buffalo is a city of good neighbors. As this massacre has happened, it was, you've seen neighbors helping neighbors. You've seen that true meaning, that true sentiment of what neighbors do. As far as the the grocery store, um, because you you mentioned that you know for well you were alluded to it that there was food um, there were like food drives in the area because the store obviously was shut down. Mm-hmm. With the store being opened back up, it still is the only um, full service grocery store on the east side. Um, are there plans to have more grocery stores on the east side other than Tops on Jefferson? To be quite honest with you, I haven't heard any plans. I know folks are discussing things, but I haven't heard of any concrete plans that says this is going to help to address that. Um, there's talks for folks to saying, hey, we should do this, we should do that, but there's no concrete talk, no concrete conversation. So what we have is right there for the east side, East Buffalo, is that tops right there on Jefferson Avenue. How does someone get the ball rolling to have another grocery store placed on the east side? Does it go through government? Is it private business? Does it go through you, the governor? No, I think that um, when that's it, that's a that's a private business, that's a for profit business. The government won't take much stake in it. Well, lobby like you know, Mayor Brown did, and a lot of those other electors at that time who that lobby for tops to be there. They were the, the greatest spokesman for the air because there was a need at that time. And I think that's the role government to play. We will have to lobby for a, another store in another location in another area of the city. Do you think your district needs another grocery store? I think we could use another grocery store. Um, what grocery store? I'm not sure, but I believe we can. Because, you know, there are, you know, when I grew up as a kid, and I'm just going from there, I grew up at um, on Howard Street, Jefferson and Howard. So over there, we had Coolix Market, we had a Tops, and there was a Super Duper. So it was three grocery stores as a kid that I remember. To now have it, now this area is being reduced to just one, that's a, that's a, it's outrageous. I go back to the Central Park Plaza, and as a kid, the Central Park Plaza, which had their own, it was a city within the city, um, and they had they own, their own, you know, grocery stores as well. You don't have that anymore. So the folks in that area have to go up to the university tops to shop over there now. So, yeah, we could definitely use another uh, store on the east side of Buffalo, and I would definitely be on board and lobbying for that. We just have to have the right one for the right people because this is a, this is a, um, a, 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 a segment, a population of people, you know, with, you know, with certain needs. I want to uh, talk about um, talk about your your upbringing, and I'm glad you brought that up because I remember when myself growing up on the East Side, and I remember there being a a Bell's on Broadway mm-hmm. in person, and then there was also a grocery store where True Bethel Baptist Church is. Yes, uh, there was a few grocery stores on the East Side, and then then there happened to be none. And then I remember when the Tops opened up when the first, when the Tops opened up on Jefferson. Um, when and you are from the East Side, yes, can you just Tell us uh, a little bit about your upbringing. When elected officials, sometimes uh, they don't represent the areas that they serve, and that's not the case with you. No, I grew up in this area. So for me, it's unique because I represent an area that I grew up in. All those districts that I named, I've 
been in all those districts my whole life. Like I said, I grew up right there with by the town garden. So just to give you context to where I grew up at. But in that area was, you know, I stayed right there on Howard Street. So, you know, we had the town gardens. We had Perry Projects. We had the Willard Park over there. We had, you know, and then we go up to the Cold Spring Fruit Belt area, uh, the Ferry Street, Maston District, um, Hamlin Park. So I grew up in this whole circumference of this neighborhood that I grew up in. So it's not one part of my district I have never been in because I've, you know, grew up here my whole life. So for me, it was a, it's a pleasure serving the district that I actually live in. I I wasn't one to say I moved into the district ran. No, I have standing in the district. I've been, I've been a member of that district for over 40 years. So uh, one of the themes that our guests uh, that have been on our show have talked about um, have been the disenfranchisement of the east side um, and the the lack of, of investment in the east side. Two-part question. Growing up on the east side, did you see, do you see a difference from when you were coming up versus now? And then the second part of the question is, May 14th obviously brought a lot more attention to the mm-hmm. east side with all like the funding that the governor has said that is coming to the east side was that was to your knowledge was, was there investment prior to May 14th all right the, the first part is that from growing up until now there's a what i see now is a lack of small businesses in our community when i look at how hurdle avenue is anchored how Elmwood Avenue is anchored. They're anchored by small businesses. Those small businesses generate revenue in that community where folks come out and have to spend their monies in those communities. So if you go to, if you go down Elmwood Avenue, and I'm sure, and I'm sure a lot of folks have been down there, look at all those small businesses, boom, 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 in sequence. And you don't have to go outside that community with your dollars for it to impact that community right there. You can see the development, so the money is going there. Hurdle Avenue the same way. We don't have that same thing on Jefferson. So as a kid, you know, I remember there was, um, we had Mickey's Cleaners. There were uh, corner stores right there. There were other small businesses in there. We had a hat shop right next door to Mickey's Cleaners. All those small develop, all those small businesses that helped to employ folks from the community you know, you didn't have to go out to the community to spend your dollars as we do now. So that's the um, that's the biggest thing that I noticed from when I'm a kid growing up to where we at now. The lack of small business development on the in, on the east side of Buffalo, East Buffalo, and I think that you know, we, in order for our community to return to any prominence, I think that we have to have a greater emphasis on the um, small business portion on it. That you know how we can impact how we can impact our communities with small business development because it helps to keep the uh, dollars in the community. Um, yes, there's our, there are resources um, that are being poured into our community now. But prior to that, you know, there was a lack, there's the lack of resources being poured into the community. You know, this, again, as I pointed out earlier, the massacre was tragic, but the silver lining is that, you know, what was took a notice is that the East Side is a marginalized community. There has to be some investment in there. So now you're starting to see that with the infrastructure investment that's coming in that, you know, the governor's poured in the um, streetscape projects that will help to, you know, make us a more feasible, you know, place to travel through um, uh, the the even, you know, the county. We got in with the small uh, we did a um, 
a, fa- a facade, you know, a facade grant. So if you have facade or structure issues, and we can come outside. It's what they call a storefront revitalization program. You could come out and, you know, apply for a grant to help that out. So there has been a emphasis put on that, and there's a great emphasis put on that. But prior to that, the emphasis just wasn't there. You know, the east side was just looked at this margin. It was looked at as that's them over there. You know, the term east side, when you think about that term, you know, Yes, it's who is who we are, but I, I can remember as a kid, I remember listening to Channel Seven News and Irv Weinstein would say, you know, pistol packing punks from the east side. That was his tagline for when crime happened to the east side. So to me, that was a start of the disinvestment at that. And it probably happened longer than long prior to that. But that's that, you know, to me, that's a disinvestment when you think about it. Because, you know, when you think about that term east side, you look at it as being crime ridden, a place where folks don't want to be. And now you could, you could, it, it, it defines a community. But now, you know, here's the, the, the brighter, the bright point is that. Money is being poured in now. We can take, you know, what people thought was tragedy and turn it to triumph for our community. Does it, as a person, not as a, a political figure, but as a person, does that upset you when, um, when the district that you represent is getting this attention, much needed attention, but it took it took a tragedy in order for this attention and all this money to be allocated to to the east side. Yes, it's, it, it is upsetting because it didn't have to be this way. I think what what was missed in the past was intentionality, intentions to make this a greater community. This is not a, a, a knock or, or to anyone who, who's been elected during all that time or anybody who hasn't done anything. But, you know, the intentions were missed. You know, the, you know, folks just didn't invest on the east side. It was just, it's just a, a fact. The business, when they went away— we we didn't there was there was nothing there to replace those businesses so those places become shuttered and then you have what you have but you know now you see the intention of it you can see say okay there needs to be direct resources there and i think that this massacre was a was a ref, was it was a reflection on how our community is this individual was able to target a community how was he able to do that well, he said, where's the poorest part of the poorest part of Buffalo where the most blacks are located? Now, we're no different than any other city across the uh, across the country, but he was able to target us because we're so segregated. And, you know, that, that's that's the thing. We don't have mixed incomes in our communities. I think that's another missed opportunity. As you go to any other major city, there's mixed incomes. You have poor middle class and rich people. But the east side is marginalized. Red line from you know uh, banking practices, no int- no no after small businesses closed, no intentions of investment there. So you know the, it was it was easy for him to target our community. He could come in there and 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 look over the lay of the land for three or four days, and and plot his and, and plot his uh, his course of action, and that, and that's the shame in it all. How do you? change the the landscape of of the community that you represent without gentrifying without because when people they they talk about gentrification and it's and it's you know labeled as like bad because you're you know you're pushing people who mm-hmm. lived in the community for years out of the homes in the area that they stayed in how do you make how do you make the community um, more diverse without 
or or more equitable without kicking the people out that have been there for years, property owners and I think that, you know, and and that's a great question. I think that we have to continue to invest in the people that are still here. I think um we have to we have to I don't want to say devise, but come come up with something that addresses where our community is right now. You know, we have moved from a factory industry to more of a human services industry. And now, you know, with the next generation is more of a arts generation. So we have to, you know, we have to kind of tailor things to how the community, how the community is with the homeowners and everything. And then also attracting those with the resources to come in and to invest more and those who have, you know, the money to enforcing those who live in the community to come in more. I think a perfect opportunity, you know, and my, my bishop and I also talks about this quite a bit that the, the resources are there. The people to in our communities are there. You look at, we have the um, medical corridor there. A perfect opportunity to have folks with, you know, differing levels of income to come in to live in the, in that community that they work in. You know, be it you know white, black, Spanish, or whatever the case may be, but inviting those folks in, and then encouraging those who are still property owners to stay there, not sell their property, invest in a property, small business opportunities for those in our community, devising a plan. Hey, and we got to, and we also have to get these banks that resides in our communities to begin to lend in our communities. That's one of the bigger, bigger obstacles. I know for business, I won't say the name, but he's, he's looking to expand the business. He has a very well-known business. He is doing a phenomenal job, but the banks won't lend to him because they said, well, there's not enough density in the area. You know, and I, and, I, and, I, and that's tragic. That's he's, but he's a, success, a successful the business. business. The business is successful, but the yeah. bank won't touch him. The bank won't touch him. If you drive, if I told you the name of the business, you drive past, you'd be like, yo, this business is popping. This business is, is generating folks coming in. So, But the banks won't invest, and I think we have to hold them. Hey, if you're going to be here, you just can't collect a deposit from me. Yeah, I got all the deposits from the community, but what am I lending out? But I'm taking the money that I take from your community and lending it out in other communities. Unfair. Yeah. Unfair. And and I want to touch on 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 uh, on that because uh, the the banking uh, people said are saying that there's no density in that area, but um, in whatever area it is uh, on the on the east side, I could assume. Um, but the thing about black people is that our buying power is magnificent. Yes. So there may not be density. And, and by density, do, do, do they mean not enough people in that area? Not enough people in the area. But the people in the area spend money. Spending power. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And you have folks who travel down that street, maybe not from that community that's been there. And then other folks, other black folks come in and spend money in that community right there as well. So, you know, yeah, like you said, we are the number billion dollar a year consumers is, you know, is the black culture. It, to me, it is, it, it, it's, a, it's a no brainer, but that's the tragedy of it. We have banks in our communities that, you know, are not doing any lending. You know, their CRA agreement, the Community Reinvestment Act, tells them you should do that. You should lend in the communities that you serve. 
if you go out on Niagara Falls Boulevard, you go on Tonawanda, you go out in Amherst, they're lending in those communities. And you can see it. Those, those loans that's being taken out are probably by more small businesses in our community than folks outside of the community. But the businesses in our community, yeah, they'll, they'll give a few of them, you know, a few of them, and they're going to probably send them through a, a ton of paperwork to get it done. But that, I think that's the tragedy of it all, and I think we have to hold those institutes accountable. Hey, if you're going to be, if you're going to be here, you have, to, you have to take a risk. How, how, do we, how do we do that? How do we hold these, these banks accountable? How do we? I think that, you know, conversations, you know, going to these banks and saying, hey, look, what are you doing to affect change in that and, and the communities that you that you that you're banking in? You're the chair of public safety and also the small business and minority. Of yes. MWBE. Yes. How so? There are there are going to be a lot of construction projects coming up in the upcoming upcoming years in the city of Buffalo. How do you make sure that minority-owned construction companies or minority-owned businesses get a piece of the action? Um, so uh, that's a great question, and our our chairwoman has been a great advocate of that, and she's already passed a local law to Im- increase the MWBE participation rate, trying to get it up to the state level. You know, I think right now it was hovering at 10 percent. The state level is 30 percent. So we passed a law trying to, you know, force the action, so to speak, to get it up there. And she's currently working on now trying to organize a lot of these current contractors to get a piece of not only county contracts, but, you know, any contracts that comes through Erie County. So there's so, you know, kudos to uh, our chairwoman, April Baskin, um, and the work she's doing in organizing and bringing that effort uh, forward. Um, there's work going on and we're definitely doing, and I was a co-sponsor with her on her NWBE legislation, you know, to push that, to push that agenda forward. And we're in this a constant work in progress. You know, currently now there's negotiations and I can't say much about it, but there's good negotiations going on with the CBA. But, you know, with that, you know, we're looking for, you know, upticking uh, MWBE participants that's going to be on that job uh the chairwoman was waiting for a response um from the erie county executive about what the status of the cba was and it seemed like the county executive uh his office or whomever they were dragging their feet on it can you without i know you can't say too much but um can you are, are negotiations looking positively toward yes. equity for yes okay <laughs> yes I can say that the negotiations are looking you know for equity for towards all and I think that's what the CBA is and I think the county executive and the chairwoman have the same goals and um, I don't know if there was any stalling I just think they have the same goals and it was just you know certain it was certain steps in the process like you have to have the seeker in place first and that's the you know the environmental study and all that first before anything can happen so that was you know it. And now we have now the seekers in place. They're doing the work and everything else is unfolding. So Governor Kathy Hochul, she um, allocated uh, funds um, to be used uh, for the east side uh, for development projects um, and things of that nature. Um, We've had Alexander Wright from the African-American Heritage Food Co-op on um, and he was allocated uh, some money and he said that he still hasn't received the funds. So this money that's being allocated to people Mm -hmm. and they haven't received it yet. What is going on with that? Um, I, I can't speak much if he has state funding coming down. Sometimes government can be slow. 
you know, particularly on Met with the project, because I know sometimes, you know, we have a, when we do, when we send out stuff and being, you know, in our communities from our district, sometimes government can just be a little slow because there is, it's a paperwork. So all the paperwork has to line up. All the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And I think that's the big thing. And I think a lot of folks don't understand that. They're going to make sure that, you know, you are who you say you are. You're doing what you say you're doing. And, uh, you know, it's everything, you know, le- legally lined up. Because I, I, I just don't think there there needs to be a scandal. There don't need to be anything like that. I'm not saying anybody's doing anything wrong. I'm just, being a government official, I know a lot of times it's just the paperwork, you know, and they just want that paperwork to line up. So I don't think it's anything personal. I don't think it's anything of that nature. But I just think that the paperwork has a uh, line up. And I'm not saying, and I'm sure his paperwork is together. And I'm sure once he gives it in and they go through it, it'll be like oh okay that's like a a lot of us like we don't know like how government works so like you know like that that and in government yes if i say i'm gonna allocate i say i'm gonna allocate fund i'm gonna allocate a million dollars to you okay yes i'm gonna allocate a million dollars to you but on the back end of that it's checks and balances and I'm gonna be asking where my money. Is. <laughs> right. No, but you it's checks. You allocated, right, and it's checks and it? balances and government. You know, you some and in 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 state government, county government, unlike city government. And this is no knock to city government, but we have Dems and Republicans. So when there's an allocation like that, that has to be passed on both sides. So somebody can that item can come that item could come before a committee because it's gonna come before a committee. And they can table that item. I, they'll say, hey, I um, move to, um, you know, uh, not approve this item. And that's not the lingo they use. I am just want to sum it up. And that item can go back to committee. And we can say, because well, we want to table this item for further discussion. What does he do? What They're going to ask those questions. What does the business do? And things of that nature. So sometimes it's just that, you know, it's that checks and balances thing. So it's, I don't I don't think it's personal. It's just government and, and, you know, state and county, we have two sides of the aisle. We have Dems and we have reps. I'm going to say Democrats and Republicans. I don't I always use a lot of acronyms. But, yeah, Democrats <laughs> and Republicans. And there's going to be questions asked. And that happens on both sides. Hey, let's talk about this item right here. So sometimes that's a hold up. So you get it in committee, you talk about it, you discuss it. Now you have to approve it at the big session. Then the paperwork, and then say if it's approved, then the paperwork process comes into it. So it's just not as simple as the governor saying, hey, here's a million dollars. Take it. Cause, but it, that can happen. But she just can't write a check because, you know, the state legislature, like the um, county legislature, is the checks and balances of uh, of, of that. So... The Erie County Legislature is the checks and balances to the county executive. The city council is the checks and balances to the mayor. The state legislature is the checks and balances to the governor. So that's how that's how it works. It's like the House and the Senate. They are the checks and balance to Biden. Yeah, Biden can do a, a bunch of executive orders, but, you know, things that he wants passed, pr- approval on, has to go through the process. So those items have to do go through the governmental process. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Um, we have to keep in remembrance what happened on 514. We have to keep seeing the investment into our community because there's no reason why our community shouldn't look like what it, what it looks like in North Buffalo and Amherst or any of those other communities. So it has to be the intentional investment poured into our community, and it's going to be ongoing because we didn't get here overnight. 
So we're going to have to continue to go until we till we get where we need to be as a community. I think that's where we go, you know, and we just need, you know, our community to still stay galvanized, still work together, to still be that to be those good neighbors that, you know, we I talked about earlier. Thanks for joining us, Legislator Johnson. Stick with us. There's more to come on Buffalo. What's next? There are a lot of great ways to spend $8 a month and get a blue check mark. So why not become a member of WBFO, your NPR station? You'll be a verified member on the spot, and your money will support high-quality news and information. For fun, we'll send you a snazzy window cling and a travel mug, both with our logo and the blue check mark that shows everyone you're a verified member of WBFO. Just call 1-877-456-8870 or go to WBFO.org to make your pledge. Thank you. PBS Kids' fun and educational content is available wherever you are in Western New York, whenever you want. Live stream the channel at wned.org slash pbskids. And while you're there, you can play games, watch videos from your favorite shows like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Molly of Denali, and Alma's Way. And you'll find resources for parents and teachers. Visit wned.org slash pbskids today. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to Buffalo What's Next. I'm Jay Moran, and uh, with us this morning, Murray Holman, the director of the uh, Stop the Violence Coalition, one of the leaders of the Buffalo Peacemakers. Murray, thanks for coming back. Thank you. Uh, Murray Holman was with us, uh, one of our earliest guests on this program back in June, not long after the uh, 514 massacre on uh, Jefferson Avenue. And Murray, at the time, talked about how you guys, your group, is going to go about trying to keep the peace because, obviously, there was— a lot of anger. Still yes. is a lot of anger, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. At the same time, grade the temperature of the streets of the city of Buffalo right now. Right now, the temperature of the streets is is warm, uh, even though we're in the snow. Sure. Area just got through that big storm. But uh, um, our streets is a little bit uh, calmer now, uh, being that, you know, what happened at 514. And uh, that kind of woke us up a little bit about being community more. But our children and our youth are now more uh, talking to each other instead of using guns and, and, and violence situations. Uh, we have a little peaks of it, but uh, it went down, I think, uh, in data and in our organizations, um, it has went down uh, with just, you know, just kids just being kids. So an improved situation in that mm-hmm. regard, of course. Yes. Just to jumping back then just a little bit to, to 514, what are, are, are some of the kids— what have they said about 514 to you? I and mean, we've talked to a lot of adults, mm. not a lot of kids. Right. What are, what are the kids saying about it? Well, they're not talking about it. Interesting. And and so in our program, with the gun intervention program, where we um, have a, a Good Shepherd Temple for 25 Goodyear Avenue, some of the kids are talking about it, but they, they don't really understand it yet. I think it's going to take some time for them to, really get out of the box of Facebook um, listening to stuff they do um, and, you know, pay attention to shows like this here and other things like that. Um, and they don't talk about it as much. And 
we're going to talk about it soon, um, in probably in next week or so, and sit down having fun and um, seeing where the kids are at with it. But they talked about it on the radio show, another show we were on, sure. and they mentioned his name, um, you know, the young man's name, and um, they was like, uh, well, he shouldn't have done it. And then I said, well, what about the family? Um, the mother and father of the young man that wrote an article um, saying that they were sorry, and they said that that's the way it should go. So, but they're they're not talking about it as much as the adults are. Okay, mm-hmm. is there then between the kids and the adults? Is there a sense of being a little more vigilant in the in the neighborhood, keeping a watch out on things, making sure? I mean, nobody could have predicted what was going to happen on May Fourteenth. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe some people might say that they could have, but that, I, right. I, let's just you know, it was so outrageous right. and, um, that nobody could really understand that that would be coming. But is there a sense, a little bit more, we're all keeping our eyes peeled a little bit more right now? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, we had a young man uh, actually said now when he walks into a store or supermarket, he pays attention to, you know, doors and and exits and things like that. What we were teaching beforehand, uh, even with our churches, uh, uh, most of the kids and, and the adults are starting to do that now and look for exits. And then here we go with this situation with these young kids uh at McKinley High School with guns and then, you know, and you never know who's carrying it. Um, how do we be proactive instead of reactive? And so most of the kids now are paying attention a little bit more. They're not on their cell phones walking down the street. If you notice kids and you, uh, when you're driving in your cars, uh, you notice everyone is on their cell phone um, listening or had the headphones in, in their ears. Um, now our kids are putting just one headphone in the ear. We're teaching them that and stop walking with your cell phone and, and texting and look up and pay attention. You mentioned guns, and mm-hmm. we talked about that the last time you were here back in June about um, you know moves to try to uh, lower the number of guns on the streets. But it's interesting at the same time right now, how easy is it for a kid to get their hands on a gun? Wow. I could say if a kid wants to get a gun in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, he can have a gun. Really? Just that simple and easy for him to get a gun. It depends on what the situation is. He don't necessarily have to buy a gun. Someone can give him a gun. We still have those bad apples out there that's a little bit older that would pass a gun on to that kid and say, do what you need to do. And and that presents a problem in our community. Uh, Neil Dobbins had just passed away. There's a fund coming out with the city of Buffalo, um, giving us uh, some resources um, to do that uh, plan of uh, being proactive and reactive. But a kid can get a gun so fast, uh, it can make your head be like, wow, what's going on? And then, you know, um, they necessarily don't have to buy it, but then your suburbs, you gotta, you gotta lock your doors. Because you yeah, that's interesting. You're yes. saying that that, that that's the yes. way that people mm-hmm. are finding guns is also just getting them off of people who aren't aren't vigilant about yes. protecting them and securing yeah. them. Securing them, yeah, not trying to take away from the Second Amendment, right? But you got to lock them up. You got to make sure things are safe because those elements make it out to those homes, and then once they get them, then they bring them back into the to the concrete jungle, the hood, or whatever you want to call it. And then they start using those guns in our community. And here we go. It might not be reported as gun being stolen. Then we also have ghost guns. Uh, ghost guns. Yeah, explain ghost thing. guns for me. Ghost guns are manufactured uh, just as well as a real gun, but people can do them in their homes. And, mm-hmm. and it's plastic, uh, no serial numbers on those guns. And uh, they get into our community. They raise havoc. Uh, you can take a clip and, and, and extend it and, 
and every all the elements is there. You can order stuff offline, and it comes to you. And those ghost guns are now starting to pop up. Uh, what you know, what law enforcement as they do these checks and things like that. There, ghost gun is is a wicked gun because it, it doesn't hold like a real gun, but it can raise a lot of havoc in our community. What are the what's the situation with gangs in Buffalo? Um, and we talked about that a little bit before we went on the mm-hmm. air. That that's one way guns sometimes make their way around is is through gangs. And if you if you're going to do maybe a the gang's mm-hmm. business, so to speak, yes. you might be able to get a gun a little easier. Yes. Uh. Well, you know what? Um. Lately, uh, our numbers are going down with gangs in the city of Buffalo. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, and because of the task force that's in place with the Buffalo Police Department, the FBI, the Sheriff Department. Um, and uh, probation and others, um, our, our, our numbers are starting to go down because some of these guys, they're, they're picking up, or young ladies, they're picking up, um, they're starting to, um, you know, wiggle through them and pull them out. So now they're either going through intervention programs, locked up or whatever it might be. And then now, the, uh, you know, once a gang member uh, has his uh, leadership gone, then they fizzle away a little bit more. So that's what we're dealing with now in our, in our organizations. Uh, we're staying on top of what uh, Back to Basics is doing, the HEAT program um, on Quincy Street uh, in an area off Broadway. It was known for notorious gangs. Um, and so they're over there as well um, doing a program from like um, 4 o'clock till 9 o'clock. And then we have a Good Shepherd Temple with our gun intervention program. We're there from 4 to 9 o'clock as well. So those same kids that might have been in the gangs are now – actually doing something productive in the community and it takes a lot of work and resource but uh, the numbers of gangs are going down a little bit that's uh, most certainly good mm-hmm. news and also a big part of this is you know, groups like yours and yes. the and the, um, and the peacemakers mm-hmm. inside the schools yes uh, that initiative uh, uh, now we have a new superintendent uh, and um, the schools now have uh, peacemakers inside qualified peacemakers inside uh just going there to qualified what do you mean by qualified um trained okay um we do a lot of training with uh, peacemakers they just don't come off the block and go in there they testify restore the practices and things like that there and they understand the the, the the way how a kid thinks and so now these kids are uh, our teams are in the schools and also on the corners doing safe passage so during the time period when a kid gets out of school he can go to a bus stop and, and won't be in a fight. Um, he can say passage back home, and then go from there. We build relationships with these kids, and now they end up coming to our programs, and they tell their friends about the program. So it's a success. We're at Riverside. We're at South Park. We're at McKinley. We're at East High School. We're all over through the city of Buffalo, and um, and that's really working. Murray Holman uh, mm-hmm. is with us here with the Stop the Violence Coalition and also with the Buffalo Peacemakers as well. When I was uh, I visited Juneteenth this this summer, I saw a member of the Peacemakers uh, dealing with a young man uh, on the bike. I didn't really. I was just seeing the reaction. I didn't see what happened to mm-hmm. initiate it, but uh, the gentleman was probably almost. You're six seven, Murray. Right. Uh, the gentleman was. <laughs> it wasn't you, but I would say right. we rival you in terms of size. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, being very direct with this young man. He was on a, on a bicycle and you know, just kind of giving a good stern lecture about things. Can you take us through how you go about dealing with a young person who maybe is heading a certain way or has done something? I mean, can you really, like, can we talk about, I mean, I don't want you necessarily to get yes. all personal and yes. give away things, but 
Talk about how you go about taking that on, to that interaction. So you have a young man probably was riding his bike through Juneteenth, uh, and he's supposed to be off his bike. Walk your bike through, just plain and simple. Walk your bike through. And now we have a, a person from the peacemakers or, or individual organizations on there come up to him and say, Look, walk your bike. He might be, I'm not doing anything. And you catch him the second, third, fourth time. Now you talk to the kid and build a relationship with him and figure him out and give him his space and the opportunity to talk while he's riding the bike. And now here we go. So then we might come out of it. Do you have a job? And first thing is, no. Okay. Well, let me get you a job. Here's my card. Let me get you a job. So now you build a relationship with this kid. He'll call you five, ten minutes later. <laughs> you know, I need that job. But then if you stop riding your bike through here, we can make it work for you. So it's a buy-in like that. Even when we're talking to our kids now and our youth, we're listening to them first. Before we used to bark at them. Now we want to hear them talk. And then someone say, I don't like you anyway because you're wearing yellow or you're wearing our individual organization. I mean, is there, a, is there an yes. issue sometimes that, that you, mm-hmm. you you represent authority that yes. it might be? Uh, yes. But now um, what happens is uh, I can give you some years ago at Juneteenth, uh, we had a group that was 14 years old. Now these kids is 20. So guess what? They comes back to Juneteenth. They see how they act and they see the new kids acting. So they go to them and say, no, they're good people. And so now it's a buy-in because that's their little brothers and sisters that's taking a place. And so it makes it work in our favor. And that's the great part about the work that we do, that it's just not for the kid that's in our face, but for the family. And then we'll go to their homes. Um, and you know what? And then per- personally, the part from Safe Passage already set us up to know who this kid is. Right. Because we already been at the school. So now he's at Juneteenth or um, Allentown Fest or wherever it might be, raising havoc at Canal Side, raising havoc, and we say no. They say, "Oh man, I can't do it." They go, "Mr. Murray, they go, Pastor Giles, they go, such and such from Peace Murray. I can't do. it. I'm gonna be respectful." And that's how it works. It's nice when it works like that. So I mean, you very quickly become uh, on a first name basis with these young folks, and we give them nicknames, and then oh yeah, like <laughs> and then we give them dollars out of our pockets, and and give them more direction, but then situations come out that they might go to court and and then we go to the court system and, and talk to the courts and tell them uh you know uh we can help this young man put them in our programs and uh it makes it work to our advantage and also you, mm-hmm. i know you reach out to to uh young people who are on probation as well yes yes the give program that's guns involved in violence eliminated uh through the department of criminal justice i go out with uh, law enforcement um, as the community part, um, Buffalo Police Department, Sheriff's Department, probation, and uh, we go to homes and uh, we talk to young men that's already um, have committed crimes and, and change their life and give them resources like youth build, uh, past stones, or start the violence, or back to basics for job opportunities. And so that works in um, the favor of the person that we're going to see. And so now it quells that thing of just law enforcement coming to the house. Still looks like a raid, but it's not. Right. And, you know, and we come there and people be seeing me and um, and uh, Ken Stevens out doing this work. And uh, we go there as individuals, not as law enforcement, but to change some things of uh, how it goes down. Um, trust me, it's a hard job to do. But we love it because it gives uh, young men and young ladies opportunity to get their life cleared up. You, when you hear about probation, it, it, it can be considered a second chance, yes. right? At the same time, for a lot of 
folks, it doesn't work out that way. It just ends up being a, a pitfall. Right. What are what what happens when somebody can't make probation? What what, what what's going on with them? Mm. Where they slip and well, they don't make it. Yeah, you, we can go to some homes and you can see uh, why they're in poverty. The kid might be at the house. He might be babysitting, you know, five, six-year-old young kids, no furniture. Um, and you wonder why this kid is doing what he's doing. And you have to look and observe that and, and try to give him some resources and help to help him along the way. I have, I, I, I give you the story. I have talked to young Please. men and, and some of them are not alive today. Because they didn't listen, and that, and and does that wear on me? Absolutely, but it's crucial that we still keep, you know, chiseling at this thing here and making it work. But then you get some kids, um, you know, they they tell their moms and pops, call Mr. Murray up, you know, I need I need that job, I need this right now, and then the parents say, okay, respectful, we can't save the world, but we can save one at a time. And that's our mission, and this is what God wants us to do. And then with the sheriff department, uh, Sheriff Garcia, in place with me as a community uh, resource um, officer, um, gave me opportunity more to do more community, and um, and so that's where I'm at with that there. And so, but uh, you know, I I can talk on both levels, not just as a community person that probably would have just been there if no one took the time with me, but now I can be as law enforcement and going there as a, as a peace officer and do some things there. And uh, Sheriff Martin allows me to do some things, so I'm happy to do that. But uh, it's a collaboration. It's definitely a collaboration. Murray Holman is our guest on Buffalo What's Next. We're going to take a short break, come mm-hmm. back uh, with uh, the rest of the hour with Murray Holman. We're glad to have you along with us today. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO. The next time you meet with your financial advisor, ask them about making a gift through your will for Buffalo Toronto Public Media. You may have the means to leave an inspired and lasting gift to the station while achieving benefits for your estate. For more information about leaving Buffalo Toronto Public Media in your will, contact Colleen Miller at 716-845-7031 or cmiller at wned.org. Thank you. Do you absolutely love Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, PBS NewsHour, Great performances and other amazing shows on WNED-PBS, but you're not always in front of your TV when they're on. Don't miss them. You can stream the channel live wherever you are in Western New York by visiting WNED.org live or use the WNED-PBS app. This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. And welcome back to Buffalo What's Next with us, Murray Holman from the Stop the Violence Coalition and the uh, Buffalo Peacemakers. Uh, Murray... You're you're a grown man now, of course, <laughs> <laughs> just like me, right? Yes. Um, but uh, you grew up in the city of Buffalo. Yes. Talk about what you saw when you were a young man, like these young men that you're you're working with now. Well, I grew up all over the city of Buffalo, but then we owned houses on Goodyear Avenue, and Goodyear Avenue was one of the worst streets to live on during the time period when crack cocaine was on the scene, and uh, 
everyone shooting and killing each other and they were all friends and to the point that now GYC ministry is, is born out of with Pastor Newkirk but our church is actually on Goodyear right. Avenue the same church that I went to as a little boy going there it was a Lutheran church and now uh, we own that church in um, it's called Good Shepherd Temple 425 Goodyear this is the place where those kids now that we just got through talking about right. go for services under the gun intervention program and so um, I'm just giving back. I'm not going 360 because 360 means I just started back the same. I'm doing 180. And so that way we can be more successful in the community. Those kids now walk up and down the same street that I did and clean up. And now they see all the houses. They're how, how is Goodyear right now? Goodyear is great. It's yeah. great um, because it helped with law enforcement. It clean, cleans up a lot of stuff that was going on. Um, but it has issues, uh, you know, fire as drug activity, um, not from the youth, but from, you know, just older guys just trying to, you know, still be in a game. But now our kids are walking through that neighborhood, uh, Moselle Street, Goodyear Avenue, Bissell Street, and other streets, and passing out literature, cleaning up and giving back. And also those kids do. And I can leave them out there without me being with them. And that's the crucial part about it because the neighborhood knows who they are. Okay. And they know who we are. So they give them the respect, and then they can do what they have to do. Juneteenth is on the corner of Moselle, Genesee. We have kids in the program there. We also have kids at Crucial um, um, participating. We actually have a program right now that um, kids go Monday and Tuesday. They learn computer classes hmm. right there at the new school that just opened up over there as well. So that um, Mr. Ahmad and then his team does a great job there. But they have a pass to go anywhere they want to go. And they don't have to have on a uniform. It's just people just being respectful and know who they are. But you sense a bond in the neighborhood that there's yes. becoming this recognition of everybody? Yes, absolutely. Um, even when the snowstorm, some of our kids went out and shoveled. Um, you know, um, they called me up because they do get paid. Okay. So and they were like, we're going to miss all the money. I was like, no, well, let's go shovel. Um, we did talk to Tommy Champion from the Buffalo Police Department a little bit late on, on you know, trying to get them to ride with the net team and shovel people out. But we're going to work on the plan for next year. Um, so uh, Chief Kamalia. Next year. Uh, yes. Come on, Murray, there's going to be more yeah. snow coming. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's I, I it's think only so. December. <laughs> I think so. Hopefully hopefully we don't get no more snow. Um, but if we do, then um, our kids will go out and we'll pick them up in our individual um, cars. And and, um, and that funding part, let's talk about that, yeah. comes out of our own pocket. Um, and we're trying to go after grants and, and donations. Um, you know, my bus broke down like two years ago. And no one never came and said, well, we'll get another bus so you can go out and do the work. So we're using our cars and all that there. But um, to God be the glory that it's working out um, now that uh, Senator Ryan is helping us along the way. I'm um, trying to go after a grant to get Stop the Violence a bus uh, or a van so we can go out and do some work that we're doing in the community. Uh, Brian Higgins, I'm just throwing these names out. Sure. I have done great work with us now with the Neil Dobbins Funds and uh, Mayor Brown as well. But uh, and Mark Poland cars with the county exec, uh, it's great to have those partnerships, so our community can know who they are. Right. And and the young community doesn't know who they are. So now, we we bring them to the Good Shepherd Temple to do guest speaking and tell them who they are. Uh, we uh, Howard Johnson, um, been shot before. You know, and no, hmm. not too many people know that. No, I didn't but know he's that. He's been shot before. He's a legislator. He came and talked to the kids about 
being shot and still going on with his life to do great things right now. And so Tom April Baskins and the others that we try to reach out to them, Crystal People Stokes. Um, just actually sent tickets so they can go see the Black Panther movie. Okay, we seen that um, two days ago, and um, they enjoyed the movie. And uh, it cost me more money. <laughs> you know, I didn't know the movie theater cost so much, but <laughs> they're but, getting expensive. But they got you know free passes there. But you know, this is stuff that these kids want to do. They want to get out of this thing of always being categorized as violent. Right. So if we do some resources and get them moving in the right direction then we can have a successful Buffalo. You know, uh, in terms of uh, activities, this one really caught my attention. Mm -hmm. uh, coming up, what, December 13th at 425 Goodyear at the uh, Good Shepherd Temple. What's yes. going to happen with some of these kids? The kids are going to be in a play. Okay. Um, I called it the Three Kings. I think the First Lady called it uh, something. I was like, well, I'm just calling it Three Kings. Okay. <laughs> so um, they're going to do a play um, based on Jesus and, um, you know, and Mary and being born. And they're going to do songs along with that. They're going to dress up and they're going to do Christmas carols outside. They're going to walk up and down the street and sing Christmas carols. And for black kids to do that, it's, it's like, they was like, we never done that before. And I had to tell them, you watch cartoons and did these things when you're younger, but you're not seeing that now. And, they, and so we did a little trial and they was up singing karaoke in the church and, uh, you know, singing Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeers in their version. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it, it became a competition, but it was so great to see young kids that they said, that's violent, that's this and that, and getting up and singing songs and, and just partnership of what it was with the HEAT program and with the gun intervention program, the Live Well program, which they call it, coming together. And they, was, they didn't want to leave the church. They stayed so long. I was like, wow. And then we got the blessing from Crystal People Stokes office saying, can you send 20 kids to, you know, see the movie? And we did that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice stuff uh, for mm -hmm. sure. We love love hearing that. Um, you know, what about for you? I, I mm -hmm. mean, I guess the answer already is well known just to hear you talk. But are you optimistic on the path that Buffalo is going right now? No. Okay. No. Because at first we were talking about the growth of Buffalo with the, you know, the Buffalo billions and things like that there. Now I'm starting to see things happening in our community. More houses are being built. Uh, we have a house being built right now. with uh, We're part of the Bailey Green Project. Um, and so now one of our houses is almost ready for renovation. We will put a family in there or someone from our organization to run the house on um, um, Zinner Avenue and, and Kilhoffer area. But I'm starting to see a shift of people not blaming each other for why it's this way and then why it's that way. Um, I'm starting to see a shift. Only thing I'm not seeing is a growth on Jefferson Avenue, opposed to when I went down Niagara Street and I see a big movie theater being built in a matter of months. And then here we got, we got to do groundbreaking ceremony here in, in, in the hood, and it takes a little bit longer to do. Um, I need to see growth quick, and I know it can happen um, if I can see a building like that being, you know, built up real fast. But um, bring in the models, put them down, and let's let's see how it's going to go. Don't let's not wait so long. Um, how I, how important yeah. is that? Not mm -hmm. just to you, but mm -hmm. do you think to the community to to see that a concrete piece on Jefferson like it's, that? It is needed now. It should not wait on until summer. It should be happening now. It should be some groundbreaking right now on Jefferson Avenue to make this work in order for the 14 
to be respected or for our community to be respected, not to wait down the line and then see shovels being pushed in the ground and then saying, wait until 2029. Or we, we can't we can't have that. It, it's crucial to have it now. If you go down Jefferson right now, it's quiet. And, and not just because of the snow, but it's quiet. And so people forget. And we can't forget what happened there, but we, we definitely got to know that growth has to come real quick. They did the Meriwether Library parking lot. And I'm like, why? You know, why would you do a parking lot of the Meriwether Library? And you put it down during that pandemic situation here. And I'm like, why? We could have just you know, built something, you know. Let's build something instead of just trying to refix some things. Let's build some things up in our community so our community can know there's other resources out there for them. And if we can take our kids and put them in those programs to learn construction and all that there. And that's the, the key part about it. If you want to build up Buffalo or the black community, you have to take the kids that's from there and put them in resources and then not with red tape. Cannot be. Can, uh, I can use a kid with just might not even have a GED, but I can put him to work. Because guess what, Buffalo was built with guys that didn't have GED. <laughs> That's for sure. Like that rare brick you got holding the door. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like my great grandfather, my grandfather. <laughs> right. Did they have? They did it right. Right. They found a way, right? But yes. it was a little different time. The resources found their way and the opportunities found their way. And that's what we want to do with our kids. Absolutely. Um, a final question. Yes. It's a kind of a, a, a touchy question. Mm-hmm. But last week, of course, uh, you know, we had the tr- uh, the court hearings with uh, Peyton Gendron. Yes. Pleading guilty, and we heard from uh, some some real graphic stuff last right. week about what happened on May fourteenth. How how did that affect you, or, or do you just kind of have to focus away from that? Well, actually, I was in training with the sheriff reserves, and I got a call, and I was in uh, ECC North, and I came all the way back to Buffalo. Um, the commissioner called me from Buffalo Police Department, and said we need your help. And when I got there, and to deal with that in our community, wanting to go as law enforcement. And not what was happening and and wanting to see why this guy wasn't shot there. And I had to deal with that and keep our people um, from rioting and all that there. And um, that affected me. But, whoo, I mean, you know, to hear this young man plead guilty, um, you know, that's him. That's him. That's him. And I guess God is in his mind. But. Um, some people want them dead and all that. I can't go for that. I mean, if I, I, I'm a Christian person, so I believe in what the Lord wants to do, He can do it. Um, but for right now, this young man has some things he has to do in his life and change over. But for his family to come forward, his mother and father to make the statement in Buffalo News, that really kind of like you know was different from the other massacres that was happening across America. And to say that we're we're not that. And that's the key part. So the same thing with our kids in our community that go out here and shoot people and kill them and the family saying we're not that. And that's the crucial part about all what we're doing out here. Marie Holman, do you ever sleep? Yes, I sleep. I try, I try to sleep a little bit. And to my wife and my grandchildren, um, you know, they allow me the opportunity to be here. But, you know, it's through the grace of God that uh, – one day I'll, I'll just sit back like you and just be on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my alarm that goes off at 2.15 in the there. morning there, Murray. Uh, hey, uh, Murray, if somebody wanted to find out a little bit more, they wanted mm-hmm. to help out, what, what should they do? They should call um, Stop the Violence Coalition. Uh, you can call 854-1086. That's back to basis telephone number. Or you can call me on area code 716-597-2858. Um, that's the Stop the Violence Coalition. We're going to hear more from Murray Holman 
in the future here on Buffalo What's Next. But for today, thanks for being with us, Murray. Thank you. Earlier, we talked with uh, Howard Johnson, Erie County legislator. That was uh, Angelie Preston that had that. And, of course, this has been Murray Holman from the Stop the Violence Coalition and Buffalo Peacemakers. We're going to be back with you again tomorrow at 10 with more of Buffalo What's Next on your NPR station, WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown. <laughs>